As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at killerqueenspodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, hey, welcome back. We're on part two of Bardstown. Oh, God. I'm bringing it over to I every know. part. Yep, it's it's there and it won't go away now. In so. betwixt us recording these two episodes. We listened to we it. We listened to it. <laughs> we sang to it. <laughs> and we replaced uh, it with bar- no we didn't no we sang the actual song yeah we sang the actual song but it's easy you can put it in there sure you can you can put any town in there really sure unless it's unless very it long unless it has a, not a town in it but you know what we mean sure well you couldn't be like it's Elizabeth town no 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 you know yeah, what I mean you're right yeah it's too Mm-mm. Bardstown is the best town it really is it fits perfectly alright for the song not for, for the- murders no we don't like that okay here we are Part two. I think we've I think we've done all we can do here at the beginning. Yes. If you didn't listen to part one, scooch back, listen to that one. Or if you enjoy being lost, keep going. We're not here to tell you what to do. That's yeah. You do whatever you want. Live your life. Live your best life, girl. Okay. As always, we have lots of extra stuff on the Patreon. Check it out. We have another show called Oh Snapped case or episode by episode coverage of snapped episodes starting at episode one season one so good so good to hear it so good to watch it yeah okay here we go now we're going to dig into crystal rogers so that's the like we said in the last episode it's the main case in the sense that there's the most information about this case out there because the police are literally keeping everything close to the vest And what Torella mentioned at the end of last episode, which you probably remember, is that just in this case alone, there are also two other murders kind of wrapped up in in twine. I mean, damn. I know. Yeah. Crystal Rogers was the daughter of Tommy and Sherry Ballard. They were an original Bardstown family since Tommy was also born and raised there and Crystal, the oldest, with brother Casey and sister Brooke were also born and raised there. Crystal was described as shy, kind, and compassionate. Torella, this 
this family is the song, My Town, where I was born, where I was raised, where I keep all my yesterdays. I'm going to stop. At some point, I'm going to stop talking It doesn't about feel that way, but... That, well, because I'm lying. Well, yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Okay. Anyway, Crystal was described as shy, kind, and compassionate. She married Keith Rogers, and they had kids together. She was a mom at a young age, but her family agreed that she was made to be a mom. And they said she was a really laid-back mom, and they kind of joked that she was different than... Sherry because Sherry was kind of like uptight and Crystal was just kind of like, she just was so laid back and she had five kids total. So dang. Yeah. They were like, she loved kids. She had five of them, but that's your own little peewee football team right there. Totally. Crystal and Keith ended up separating. They never divorced, but they separated and Crystal began dating another man named Brooks Howe. She and Brooks had a son named Eli Sherry recalls that Brooks was always a good father to Eli, but he literally wanted nothing to do with her other kids. So she said that if they went to the grocery store, Brooks would pay only for food that was for Eli. And then the food for any of her other kids was Crystal's responsibility alone. That is so fucked up. Yeah, they lived together, but he would only, it's not the family grocery bill, it's it's Brooks handle, and Eli. Yeah, you handle your kids. <laughs> Fantastic human being. Right. Right yeah, here. Sure. Yeah. Brooks came from a wealthy family. And I, as soon as I heard the name Hauk, I was like, I bet they were a prominent family. I feel like here, the name Hauk, because we went to high school with some Hauks, and I felt like they were fancy. They were fancy and also pretty good looking. Very good looking. Brooks came from a wealthy family and owned many properties that he rented out. So that's how they even met. She separates from her husband. She moves into a house that Brooks owns. And they end up getting to know each other and they started dating after that. One year, Brooks even ran for sheriff in the Democratic primaries. My name is Brooks Houck, and I look forward to becoming your next Nelson County Sheriff. I'm a proud native of Nelson County, and my family and I are excited about what the future holds for our community. After about three years of dating, Brooks and Crystal's relationship was showing signs of strain. Friends say that Crystal was actually planning to break up with Brooks in the summer of 2015, but Brooks said he knew nothing about that. On July 3rd, 2015, Crystal texted a friend about how excited she was that she and Brooks were going to have a kid-free night and that she got a babysitter. That night, she and Brooks went to his family farm. That's weird. He said they took the baby. You know, it was supposed to be a kid-free night? Yeah, I don't know. The next day was July 4th, but no one heard from Crystal all day. Her mom said that Crystal wasn't returning any calls. Sherry called around, but no one had seen her. At some point, Sherry got a text from her granddaughter, Kylie, which is Crystal's daughter, asking if she had talked to mom, which would be Crystal. So Sherry texted Crystal again, and she's like, hey, text Kylie. She's looking for you. But later on that evening, Kylie texted again and is like, hey, I still haven't heard from mom. Can you get in touch with her? So Crystal's family is concerned because they're like, this is very unusual. Uh, this is a difference from like the Daniel Cahoe case where he may go off the grid for a couple days, you know? Crystal didn't do that. She's got five kids. She literally was inseparable from Eli, took that kid everywhere with her. 
I believe, I don't, I don't know, but it seemed like she stayed home with them because she was always with that child. So I want to say something. It's like a little quote from Sweet Home Alabama where it's not the same. But the when they go to the bar or whatever and Reese Witherspoon's like, oh, you have a baby in a bar. And the girl's like, yeah, this one's still on the tit, so I can pretty much cart him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I love that girl too. I know, me too. It's so funny. <laughs> they checked with Brooks, but he said he hadn't seen her. And Sherry said something like, well, she has Eli, so she'll be back. And Brooks is like, well, no, I've got Eli. And she was like, okay, now I know something's really wrong because Brooks never had Eli. Mm -mm. Then on July 5th, the Ballard family decided they needed to go file a missing persons report. Brooks did not offer to file it or go with them to file because what Sherry said is she was driving to the police station or getting ready to go there, whatever. She sees Brooks. And she says again, you know, have you seen her? Do you know where she is? All this stuff. He's like, no, I don't know where she is. And she said she could see Eli in the back seat with him. And she's like, okay, this is just weird because Crystal would have him. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I, we can't find her. And I'm going to go file a missing persons report. And he said, yeah, I think that's what you should do. Was he so overcome with grief and worry that he couldn't do it himself? No. Doesn't sound like it. No, it does not sound like it. He's like, no, you have a good day now. Bye. Yeah. Good luck with that. Bye. Mm -hmm. While they were at the police station, they found out that Crystal's car had been found on the Bluegrass Parkway, which everybody just calls the BG, and had obviously been abandoned there on the westbound side near mile marker 14. The keys were still in the ignition of her maroon Chevy Impala, and the back passenger side tire was low. My back passenger side tire is always low. Mm -hmm. If there is a screw or a nail in the road, my back passenger side tire will find it. Yeah, even if you get new tires. Oh yeah, it'll it'll find it. So Crystal's father Tommy and brother Casey commented that the tire was low but not flat and Crystal wouldn't have stopped there unless, unless she absolutely had to. It's like change your tire or something. Yeah, because it's not it's not an area that you would stop. I mean, there's a shoulder there and there's a guardrail, but it's, it's like I mean, a scenic area where you would stop and look out or Yeah, it's not it's not yeah, it's just not a safe spot to stop. Mm -mm. So, and Casey said that there was even another time that she got a flat tire and like ruined the rim of that car because she would not stop until she found somewhere she felt safe. Mm -hmm. And she had been on the parkway that time. So he's like she would not have stopped there for a tire that's low. It's not even flat. So mm -hmm. we know she wouldn't have stopped here. He also noticed that the driver's seat when they got there was not the way Crystal left her seat. So the seat was pushed further back than she would have been sitting. And the back of the seat was straight up and down. And he said Crystal drove much closer because her legs are shorter. But she laid the seat way, way back. Like you, I immediately thought of you. I was like, that's how Tori does. And then she would take her left leg, probably take her flip-flop off or whatever, yep, and tuck it up under and have her knee sitting on that, like, the door. I do exactly that same yeah. thing. So, and he said she always drove like that. So as soon as they go over there and they see that car and they see the position of the seat, they say, Crystal didn't drive it here. She was not in this car mm -hmm. because she wouldn't have driven it that way. And they're the ones that 
you know, found the car and told the police about it. Yeah, so it wasn't like somebody else found it and moved it. Exactly. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. More disturbing were the personal things that were left inside the car. Not only was her purse and makeup left behind, but so was her dead cell phone. So did she just walk away? We've heard of that happening. It does happen. More unlikely with a parent with several kids, I would say. You know, I mean, she's got... And she's very close to her children. Well, she's got six people dependent on her. Five. Six. When it five with the previous oh it was four and then yeah five total I think oh I'm sorry that's okay but yeah five five people people dependent on her yeah that's yeah and she was attached at the hip with Eli like and I assume that her other children would split time between her and her ex husband not quite ex husband but you know Mm -hmm. but still she was very close to all of them so yeah it doesn't make sense I think we already blew out of the the theory that she pulled over for a flat tire and something happened to her. Yeah. The detective in this case, his name is John Snow. How many times do you think he gets asked or told <laughs> winter is coming? <laughs> How many? I love it. And people are like, you go into the watch, John. <laughs> like, Whatever. I'll be your Khaleesi, John. Hell yeah. Well, not this John. No, but, no, not this that John. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's the ant and it's a weird thing. So anyway, um... He began his investigation. If he can overlook it, I can overlook it. I'm kidding. Well, that's true. Uh, he began his investigation of Crystal's disappearance with the last person to see her alive and the person closest to her, which is Brooks Hauk. The boyfriend did it. Brooks met with the detective and claimed that he and Crystal, with their son Eli, went to the family farm to feed the livestock on July the 3rd. But remember, Crystal had texted somebody and said, Yippee hooray, we're kid free tonight. We don't have the kid tonight. That makes a lot more sense now. Then the family returned home early in the evening and then later went to bed and Crystal played a game on her phone for a while. Brooke says he went to sleep. He said they didn't have a fight or anything. Everything's fine. 
Then Brooks said that when he woke up the next morning, Crystal was gone. He wasn't concerned, though, because as he said, she did that occasionally. She would sometimes leave in the middle of the night to go out with her cousin Sabrina and or her sister. He kind of painted her as a partier who would frequently go out and get turned. Oh, <laughs> Sloan added that. I was like, did he say that? <laughs> or if they got into a fight, Crystal would go to one of their houses to cool down. And he he talked about that a lot in that interview. He kept saying, you know, I wasn't worried. That's what she would do. She would go stay for like a day, a day and a half at Sabrina's. She'd go stay a day, a day and a half at her parents. But that's if they got into a fight. Uh-huh. And they were also like, well, did you call her to see where she was? He's like, well, I called her that morning. What time did you call her? I don't know what time it was, but I'm sure that I called her that morning. Well, then did you call her again when you didn't hear from her? Yeah, probably around noon or something. I don't remember. And they're like, that's kind of not really working for a formal investigation into a disappearance. Like you can't be like, well, I'm sure I did. Who knows? Yeah, I can't remember. But he also was like, what I learned in the past is that when we would get into arguments and she would need her space to cool down, if I kept calling her and blowing up her phone, it made it worse. So I've learned over the years to just kind of let her cool down, let her have her space. And he said multiple times in this interview, we always found ourselves back together. I just thought it was weird because like who says that? But he said it more than once. And yeah, we'd have fights like everybody does and whatever, but we would always find ourselves back together. Like who says that? Um, But again, he's saying that they didn't have a fight. So he's saying, I'm trying to give her her space. We didn't have a fight. So I didn't think it was weird that she was gone. Also, (laughs) she left a child with me. And in those situations, she would have taken the child with her. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make I sense. Do not know. However, Brooks was the only person in Crystal's orbit to suggest that Crystal was this wild woman. In fact, everyone else said absolutely not. She was shy. She wouldn't go out and party all night. She wouldn't leave her kids for an entire day. And most of her friends also had kids they wouldn't leave to go party. I mean, yeah, when you've got kids and all your friends have kids, it's not like, Oh, hey, girl, we're not doing anything tonight. You want to go party? Yeah, my kid will figure out how to feed himself. Let's go meet at the bar. That doesn't happen. You have to plan a get-together for months in advance, and then one of your kids will be sick that day, so you can't go anyway. So just stop trying. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all there is to getting together with your friends. (laughs) Like, it's never going to happen. Sabrina said that Crystal never came to her house to spend the night from a fight that night. She was only ever there. Oh, she said she didn't. So Brooks in the interview said he made it sound like she would go do that all the time. So the detective said, well, how many times are we talking? You know, one, three, 20, or no, on Nancy Grace, he said that. And, you know, he gave him, yes, she did. So he, he gave, you know, a general, she would go there. And Nancy Grace said, how many times? And he's like, oh, well, and she's like, one, three, 20. How many is a few? How many is several? What is it? He said, I would say in the ballpark of four to six. So they asked Sabrina about it. And she's like, "Mm, she may have spent the night over here once, maybe. She usually would just come over for a couple hours, depending on the level of the argument. She never spent the night for that. It was definitely not a four to six times. So did Brooks not stop and think that maybe the person who he's lying about would not like give that shit away? You know, like, no. I've only seen her just the one time stay uh-huh. at my house. Yeah. Is this like Bardstown's Bobby Durst? Like, 
I don't have to answer to anybody. Seems like it. I mean, so during the questioning, Brooks is asked about the July 3rd text that Crystal sent to her friend saying they were having a child-free night. And Brooks says he didn't know anything about this. He didn't know why Crystal would tell his friend or her friend that she had a babysitter because they didn't. Apparently, Brooks had been having no response to pretty much everything since Crystal disappeared. Friends and family said that he has had a bad attitude since the third and hasn't done much, if anything, to help find Crystal. They also said he didn't seem upset or anything at all. Brooks said that he did try to call her on the fourth, but he couldn't remember when he called or where he was when he made the call. But also, that's the 4th of July. That's a day that most people are going to get together with family members. You're definitely going to be like, Crystal, where the fuck are you? We have a barbecue to do. Yeah, like our whole family is going to be here. Our, you know, we're going to shoot off some fireworks. Yeah, Brooks had other kids. So our kids are going to be here. You know, all these things like... It's a big outdoor get together. Yeah. Everybody holiday. Yeah. Maybe she was supposed to make the cobbler or whatever. You know, it's like there's just a lot that goes into a holiday, especially with family members. It's very strange that he would just be like, eh, well, she'll turn up. Exactly. Somebody's got to bring the potato salad. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Brooks was interviewed on July 8th by Detective Snow, and this one was recorded. During the interview, Snow comes in and says, let me read over the statement. So Brooks has made a written statement. He reads over it first. And Brooke is quick to explain his statement to the detective. He seems uncomfortable and seems like he has to fill in the silences. With every question Snow asks, Brooks seems to have an extended answer that kind of dances around the question. He is very good at this. And I think that he probably already had a little bit of that like media training when he was doing the his sheriff campaign or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because the way he answers a lot of questions, especially in that Nancy Grace interview, she would ask something like, why didn't you report her missing? And he's like, that is a great question, Nancy. I thank you for asking it. Like... And then going into all this stuff that he sidestepped and I cannot stand him. 
Snow tried to get a better handle on the type of relationship that they had, and he wanted to know about Crystal's habits and Brooke's professional life. But Brooks just played, brushed everything off and played the victim card. He's such a busy man. He has so much to do. The only time he started to cry during that interview was that I saw was not anything about like, where is Crystal? You know, where's the mother of your child? All these things. It was, I'm trying to, he said that Eli was suffering because she's not there to be with him. And he's got a million things to do. And he's so busy because they're asking him like, you haven't been in any of the searches and you know, like what's going on with that? And he's just like, I have all these things that I've got to get done. And I've got Eli too. And I feel like he's suffering because I can't take care of him like she did. And he breaks down and cries about that. But well, that's about it. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have killed his girlfriend. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. Brooks also talks about Crystal in the past tense throughout the interview. And at one point, he asks how her family found the car and who specifically in her family found the car. At one point, the detective asks Brooks to put a number in his phone to see who it belongs to. And when they do that, Brooks calls the other man and starts making plans with him for some work he needs the guy to do. In the middle of the interview with a detective, he's like, oh, hey, man, I've been meaning to call you. I'm not doing anything. I'm not busy here. I mean, like, come on. He's, this guy is a straight up asshole. Otherwise, the interview was pretty unhelpful for the first hour and a half. Despite being willing to talk to the police at all, Brooks isn't really giving him any information. So he's doing exactly what someone who is trying to give the impression of being cooperative is going to do without giving any information at all. Anything that he's kind of pressed on, I can't recall, I can't remember, I don't know, you know, whatever. The only really interesting thing to happen is when Brooks gets a call from his brother at almost exactly 7 p.m. Oh, gosh. This this call, okay, this call is exactly the call where you're going on a date with somebody and you're like, hey, if I'm call gonna, me at 7. And if I give you this answer, you'll know mm-hmm. to that tell me that there's an emergency well. yeah. and I'll get out of here. Exactly. That's exactly what this call was. Because he calls him exactly at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it's his brother, Nick, who is a Bardstown police officer, BTW. And Brooke, Brooks answers the phone with, hey, I know you didn't know I was here. At the at the police station, getting an interview with this detective, not like, how's it going? Hello, whatever. That's yeah. his answer. Hey, I, I know you didn't know I was ever here. It's like, okay. Uh, the only time that I've ever done anything remotely close to that is if I'm like in the middle of something and somebody calls me, which I don't ever answer my phone anyway. I just like text. But if I was to, I'd be like, hey, I'm getting my hair done right now. Can I, you know? Yeah. Super busy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very obvious. So Brooks kind of seems to be getting yelled at by Nick based on the way he's responding. And he's his voice is getting louder. He's saying stuff like, hey, you know, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. If you're telling me to get up and leave right now, I'll get up and leave. Like whatever you think I should do. And he says a couple times in the call too, Hey, you're never gonna you're never gonna convince me that Crystal ran off with some other guy, okay? I'm never gonna think that. I, I'm just here. They're not trying to do anything to me. I, I've got nothing to hide. Of course, I'll talk to them. I'm just trying to get them to help me find her. But you're not gonna convince me that she's gone off with another guy, okay? 
And then he's like, I mean, if you, if you're, if that's what you're telling me to do, you want me to leave, I'll get up and leave. And then the call ends and he's like, okay, bye. And then he's like, well, he thinks y'all are going to fuck me. And the detectives, detectives like, who's he? I don't know who he is. And he's like, oh, well, um, that's my brother, Nick. He, he thinks y'all are going to fuck me. He really put on a show, didn't he? It, yes, it was. And like, you think the detective has no idea what you're doing, especially like, hey, you will never convince me that she left with another man. Like, fuck off, right. dude. He knows what you're doing. Brooks was like, correct me if I'm wrong here. You were born yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. And then after that, he's like, okay, well, we're done here. So this is this is enough. Um, Man, I wish you could just arrest and try people for just being fucking stupid. Yeah, or douchebags. Like, yeah. definitely convict him of that. Then after leaving the station, Brooks and Nick immediately rendezvous at the family farm and they spend hours there. Now, this is the farm that Brooks says he and Crystal went to the night before she disappeared. With Eli. With Eli. Mm-hmm. The security cameras on the property reveal that they got to the farm together, seemingly coming directly from the police station. I wonder if Nick was just big fat in Brooks's like truck or whatever in the friggin' parking lot. Mm-hmm. And then recorded them leaving together just before 11.30 p.m. Oddly, Neither brother remembers what they did there during these hours. And Nick insists that they just so happened to end up there at the same time. What? Like literally when the police are like, okay, so what did y'all do there? Nick's like, I don't know what we did there. Fuck if I know. Yeah. And they're like, you were there a couple days ago, dude. What did you do there? For hours. Mm -hmm. It's not like you walked out of the kitchen. You're like, wait, what was I in here to get? Yeah. No, you drove all the way there together. And arrived there together. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, and the police was like, I'm getting ahead of myself because his interviews in a couple days. But in in the interview, Nick is like, you know, don't remember, don't remember, don't remember. And they're like, look, I get that like, there's some stuff it's hard to remember. What did I do a week, two weeks ago, whatever. But this is a, this is a big deal because... You guys went to the farm together. Stop telling me you didn't because you did. We saw it. Mm -hmm. You went there together, but it was directly after your brother was questioned in his girlfriend's disappearance. And y'all had a phone call about it right before he left. You've got plenty of markers that can jog your memory. What the fuck did you do at the farm? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. I wish I could tell you, but I can't because I don't remember. You know what? If you and I ended up at somewhere together and people were like, what were y'all doing for this amount of time that y'all were together? You know what I would say? Giggling. (laughs) That's exactly what we were doing. Pretty much, yeah. Piddling, giggling. Piddling, giggling. (laughs) On July the 9th, Crystal's disappearance is national news and Nancy Grace has the story and she interviews Sherry and Tommy. Sherry said that they started calling around to media outlets because they wanted to get it out there. And she's like, I knew Nancy Grace was huge. And I was like, she'll take anything like that. Yeah. So Brooks calls into the Nancy Grace show and it is unfortunate and unhelpful. And that's where, you know, he's like, oh, this is a a great question. I so appreciate you asking me that and all these things. He's such a douchebag. Like, sir, if you think Nancy Grace has time for your shit, you're yeah. in for a rude awakening. The one person you do not want to boldface lie to is Nancy Grace. Yeah, because she is waiting to pummel your ass on TV. Hell yeah, she is. 
Brooks insists he's innocent and he's being 100% honest. While Brooks calls Nancy Grace, Nick is called to come in an interview with the police and his police cruiser is confiscated and searched. When asked to come in, Nick flat out refuses to testify saying, I have nothing to you. So, so like the detective calls him and he's like, hey, Nick, it's uh, Jon Snow. I know winter's coming, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, um, yeah, so I, I want you to come in and talk to us. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got nothing to tell you. I can't add anything to it. So it's really just going to be a waste of your time. He's like, okay, so I need you to come in and talk to me. Okay. And Nick's like, you can take your dragon and you can shove it up your ass. Basically, he said, I don't have anything to tell you. And he's like, so you're not going to come here and talk to me. And he said, yeah, that's correct. And then they hang up. <gasps> yeah. So his... This family. I know. And they look exactly identical. They're both just... Bleh. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. So his boss, police chief Rick McCubbin, meets with him and says, you, you need to cooperate. And I think in the Okay, and I could have totally misunderstood this, but in the oxygen thing, I feel 100% sure that he said, what I am telling you is you need to unass that chair and get over there and talk to them. I'm pretty sure he said unass. Ooh. <laughs> I've like never heard that, but no. Or I just made it up, but I think that's what he said. Yep, and I love it. <laughs> he said that it was a direct order to assist in the investigation because he's like, if you're going to wear this badge, then you're going to help. I mean, you can't just not help. This is ridiculous. So. Nick still is like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to cooperate. He's like, I don't have anything to tell him. If I did, I would have already done it, all this stuff. And he's like, well, you've got to go. So too bad. But it takes him a week to negotiate the time and date because he's so busy. They're both so busy, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So on July 15th, Nick finally sits down with the Kentucky State Police for an interview. He's asked about his relationship with his brother and what he knows about Crystal and Brooks's relationship. He brushes all this off saying he doesn't talk to his brother about relationship stuff. The investigators ask him about his multiple calls to Brooks during Brooks's interview. 
Nick admits that he called and that he was making sure that Brooks, who's a cooperative guy, isn't too cooperative because you want to help, but you also want to protect yourself. Nick said that he was concerned too that Snow was doing the questioning because as as Nick claims, he openly admitted that he lies in court. That sounds like something an investigator would not openly admit. No, and it also sounds like somebody who lies would say about another person who is lying too. Yeah, because this is recorded on tape, so. It's like projecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh God, these guys are, (laughs) yeah. When asked about the polygraph that Brooks took, Nick said he knew they weren't going to pass Brooks no matter what. It doesn't matter what Brooks does right, then he just looks like the bad guy and everyone's pointing the finger at him. What a victim, man. Uh-huh. One of the officers explains that the polygraphers were an independent agency and they didn't have any interest in the case, so Brooks, inconclusive, didn't have anything to do with the police. The investigators asked Nick about the family farm. It's 250 to 300 acres. Damn. He tells the officers that they kind of run into each other out there. Uh-huh. And that they've been out there in the past couple weeks after Crystal went missing, but he just doesn't remember what day specifically. They just pass each other because they're both just super duper busy. (laughs) They just don't have time to like even talk or anything. And I can understand that. I mean, if you're wandering around all by yourself in 300 acres, you're going to pass the only other person out there. Exactly. You're bound and determined to run right directly into each other. There's no way of getting around it. Absolutely not. The officers ask Nick about his cruiser and if he drives that out to the farm. And he says he drives it all the time because the chief wants them to drive off duty for a police presence, so yes. They point out that Nick's cruiser was taken and ask him what's in the trunk of the cruiser. He goes through everything that's in his car altogether, and it's just basic cop stuff. When the police department took the car, what was in there? He said that other than all the things he mentioned, there was a blanket for moving furniture in the trunk that he had thrown in his trunk to return to the farm. Then they ask if he went to the farm on July 8th after Brooks' interview. He can't remember specifically, um, but the police- needs to be checked for early onset Alzheimer's. It sounds like it, because he can't remember damn anything. Mm -mm, Can't remember his name. No. The police say that the cameras show that he followed Brooks. They point out the difference in the statement that he never met Brooks there. Nick said it wasn't intentional that they were there together and he doesn't remember anything they did or when they left. (laughs) Because he routinely goes to the farm and then he chloroforms his own self so that he has no memory and then later he wakes up and he's like, I guess I'll go back home. (laughs) Because that's just, I never remember anything I do when I'm out there. Or who I've seen. Yeah, none of that. The officer points out that the cameras at the farm house show that he and Brooke arrived at the farm together on the 8th, which isn't just a coincidence as he claims and that they left around 1130-ish. But Nick doesn't remember this at all. Duh. Yeah. (laughs) He also had trouble remembering his schedule for work and if he was working on the 8th. I think a police officer should have a pretty sharp memory. You would think because if you don't need to be on the force if he can't remember simple little things. Yeah, like... um the farm that your parents own that you go to all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, you're an idiot. Detectives found it interesting that Nick's memory of his movements and activities was so vague, like you said, because Nick is a police officer and his memory of events is often relied upon heavily in court. Okay, boom. Yeah, when he testifies as a cop. One of the officers even points out that this was a week ago. 
And this is a situation that's new, unique. So that's what I was saying earlier. He's like, you've got, I mean, that's because we always talk about that. It's very difficult to say, if I said to you, Tori, what were you doing on May the 14th? No idea. I don't know. But now let's say that May the 14th was a day that you... I was looking especially beautiful. That's a lot of days. It's That's hard. <sighs> what if it was the day that you, God forbid, fell down and broke your leg? Oh, geez. And you had to go to the emergency room that day. Oh, my gosh. Now you remember everything about that day and the day before and the day after, don't you? Sure, yeah. Because it's a big event. So that's what they're saying. You've got that memory marker. If there's nothing around that, if every day around that is so routine that there's there's nothing that would help jog your memory about it, okay, fine. But it's still a week ago. So if we were to sit down and say, what did you do last? Well, God, I don't even know what day today is. Mm-mm. That is not a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know what happened last week because I don't know what today is. I think it's Tuesday. It is. Okay. But, you know, if it's just a week ago, you could probably start to put a couple days together. Okay, well, Monday, I know I did this. Tuesday, you know, maybe I'll check my calendar. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, things like that. You could figure it out. So they're like, this is, this is fucking ridiculous is what it is. Totally. So Nick later admits this was the last time he was at the farm with his brother was that day. So again, it's like, okay, well, it's not like you've been four times since then. What happened there? Like, come on. The other officer starts asking if there is a reason there would be blood in the trunk of his cruiser. And when he last transported biological evidence in there, Nick said that had been a long time ago and he can guarantee there's no blood or anything in his trunk or even on the blanket I mean, he says, no way. Not no nobody. Way. Not no how. Yeah, just over and over. No way. You're not going to find nothing in there. No way. After leaving him alone for 15 minutes or so, the officers return to the room and start asking about what Nick's neighbors had witnessed him moving from the trunk of his police cruiser to the trunk of his grandmother's car. Can I you- guess what Nick says? <laughs> Um, I bet you don't have to. A few neighbors had seen him move something, but Nick doesn't know what they would have seen. Because how how is he supposed to remember that? Right. They also asked to see Nick's phone, but he left it at home. Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, this is 2015. When's the last time you left your phone somewhere? 2004. I would have had to drop it in the toilet. Yeah. Or something, you know? Exactly. He left his phone at home because he knew he was going to the fucking police station. Yeah, he didn't want them to rifle through his shit. He, exactly. He does agree to let them copy the contacts and stuff, but whether or not he did, like, we don't know. But then they circle back to the fact that his cruiser was taken and searched. Forensics looked at it and used luminol to look for bodily fluids and blood. They want to know why the trunk and the blanket lit up like Chernobyl. Why would that be? He's like, I have no explanation for that. I just, I have no idea. During the interview, he was the one that admitted to being the only one in the car and the only one to put the blanket in the trunk. Nick is adamant that Crystal's DNA will not show up in his trunk. Did your brother call you and say he'd done something to Crystal? And he's like, no. You ever helped him move a body? No. Have you ever helped him get rid of evidence? No. So they're trying to be like, you know, stuff happens, man. Like, we get it. And you're the person he would call. You're the closest to him and all this stuff. And, he, you know, he's just like, no, 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 no. And then they kind of start 
coming at him harder, putting the pieces together and implying that he's lying when he says he can't remember things. And they say they don't believe in coincidences or amnesia. They say they aren't asking hard questions. This is a big thing to happen in his life. They do not believe that he cannot remember details about a week ago. Mm-hmm. The officers ask him what he thinks happens. And he's like, well, I don't have any theories. He's a police officer who has no theories in the case. So they come at him with their theory. Like, you know, something happened. Maybe they got into a fight. Maybe somebody else was hitting on Crystal. Maybe she was cheating on him. Maybe he confronted her. Maybe it went too far. When he realized what he had done, he calls Nick. And now, because Nick is a good guy, maybe he blocked it right out of his memory because he's ashamed of what he did. And then he's like, no, it didn't happen that way. And they're like, well, how the fuck do you know how it happened? You don't remember any of it. Exactly. You don't remember if you did or you didn't. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. But he's like, well, I just know it wouldn't because I know my brother and he wouldn't do that. And they're like, whatever. So they also bring up that he said he goes out to the farm to ride the four-wheeler religiously, which he says means about two to three times a week. But the cameras don't show him out there for two to three weeks before Crystal's disappearance. And then he's like, well, I don't go out there every week. And the officer is like, I need for you to get a fucking dictionary because religiously means you do it all the time and consistently. Yeah, exactly. I would it's not have the word religiously when I was referring to, let's say, I don't know, exercise. Exactly. I brush my teeth religiously. Sure. So I do not wash my hair religiously. No, I avoid washing my hair religiously. Exactly. I'm... Currently in the process of religiously doing that right now. And that's why if I lift it up here, it will stay. (laughs) But yeah, he, he, I hate him. I just hate him. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Nick gets defensive and poses the question, who would do these things with a city-issued cruiser? And the officers are like, well, what better vehicle? No one's going to question a police car behind a car with a flat tire on the side of the road or a police car driving at all different hours. Nick agreed to take a polygraph on Monday, July the 20th, but he never showed up. Uh, When he skipped the appointment, the FBI contacted him to ask him to come in. Nick was off duty at the time and he refused. So on July 24th, when Nick was back at work and in uniform, he was forced to take it by his boss. The polygrapher, I think I said polygrapher earlier. I would have said it that way too, so. My goodness, I think it's polygrapher. Now I'm, quite, I'm second guessing everything. Expressed grave concerns with the results of Nick's polygraph and that he exhibited deception when asked questions about Crystal. Nick got very defensive when he's questioned about the results. In the meantime, police- I'm surprised he remembered even giving the results. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, remember how answers. you did a polygraph just now? And he's like, what? I did? <laughs> My I, God. That completely does not- I have no recollection of that at all. I know myself though, and I never would have agreed to do that polygraph. (laughs) So you're making that up. In the meantime, police continue to focus on Brooks since he's the last person to have seen Crystal alive. They look over the security camera footage from the farm and see that on July 3rd, Crystal and Brooks show up to the farm alone. Eli is not with them, as Brooks previously stated. Hmm... That don't look good, man. See, because it's like, who had reason to lie? Mm-hmm. Crystal or Brooks? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Crystal went with him, but she doesn't appear to have left with him or at all. 
as soon as they, as soon as I heard Brooke say we went to the farm, I'm like, she's at, she's at that farm. Mm-hmm. He buried her somewhere out there. It's a huge farm. Yeah, there are plenty of places. Yeah. Over the following months, nothing new comes up, but search efforts continue. Crystal still hasn't been found. On September 9th, 2015, Nick was suspended from the police department for five weeks. Chief McCubbin made a statement that he had given Nick a verbal command to cooperate with the lead investigator and that Nick was impeding and stonewalling the investigation. He called this conduct unbecoming of an officer. Then on October 16th, 2015, Nick was fired from the department for interfering with a police investigation. During the same announcement, Chief McCubbin officially named Brooks as a suspect in Crystal's disappearance and that she's now presumed dead. Mm. Crystal's parents became the guardians of three out of five of Crystal's kids while also continuing to search for Crystal and for justice. Sherry was often the one talking to the press while Tommy was leading the search efforts. During the end of 2015, Tommy and Sherry got wrapped up in a custody battle over Eli because they were worried that Brooks was going to run off with Eli. Brooks was selling off property for almost nothing, but his lawyer just says that that's just the day in the life of Brooks. They can explain away everything that either of them do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the Ballards obviously don't believe it. They have thought that Brooks was guilty from the beginning and they filed a legal motion to keep him from bolting. In December 2015, a man named Danny Singleton was arrested in reference to this case. The 53-year-old was considered to be Brooks's right-hand man and was arrested on December 16th for perjury. 38 counts of perjury to the grand jury during his testimony. He's the only one who's been arrested so far. Singleton pleaded guilty and was sentenced to eight months in jail and the rest of his time was spent on parole. In June of 2016, Nick and Brooks's 82-year-old grandmother, Anna Whitesides, was subpoenaed to testify in front of the grand jury in regards to the white Buick she owned at the time of Crystal's disappearance. The car was the one that the witnesses said, remember they saw Nick moving stuff from his car to her car. After Crystal disappeared and this incident was witnessed, Tommy tried to locate the Buick. He made a post on Facebook, but it turned out that Nick sold the car. The car was located and taken into police custody for forensic testing. When she was brought into the grand jury to testify about the car and why they sold it, Whitesides pleaded the fifth and refused to talk. Another hearing was held to see if she could do that, and her right not to speak was upheld. What the fuck is wrong with this family? They can just live with acting this way? Well, but that's the thing. like. Behavior like this is learned and reinforced. Mm -hmm. These kids have been shitheads since they were born and their family has coddled the shit out of them. Clearly. Yeah, and given them whatever they want, they are entitled little bitches. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand either one of them. They look exactly the same and I hate them. (laughs) In August of 2016, a search warrant was executed on the Whitesides property and another on Nick's house and property. We don't know exactly what they were looking for, and it's unknown if they found anything, but they led to two more searches that were conducted later that month. A huge search was done on Rosemary Houck's, which is Nick and Brooks's mother's farm, and the farm next to theirs. Her name is so pretty. I Rosemary, love Rosemary. I she should be a very sweet Southern woman, and she, I'm just, I'm sorry because I don't know her individually, but she sounds like a bitch. Well, she birthed two of the biggest bitches I've ever heard of. Exactly. 
The search utilized three dozen officials, Louisville Metro Police Dive Team, Kentucky State Police, Nelson and Johnson County Sheriff's Office, and the FBI, and 18 cadaver dogs over the almost 300 acres, but they didn't really find anything. Between July 2015 and December 2016, this was the only case that Detective John Snow worked on. He has served over 70 search warrants in this case, and they've cataloged almost 200 pieces of evidence. However, he is now a captain in Nelson County, so this is no longer his main focus. The case is still an active investigation, but he's less involved now. Otherwise, Sherry has resigned herself to the fact that Crystal's not coming home. Tommy continued to search and document everything he saw, heard, overheard, etc. For Tommy, this was kind of like deja vu because in 1979, his older sister disappeared in eerily similar circumstances. And that's part three that we're going to go into. We still haven't got into the other two murders. No. Wow. There is so much here. It's not even funny. I mean, isn't it crazy? It's, uh, oh, and I just got chills reading that because like, oh, uh, God, I this, this family has been through hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much, so much. But that's where we're going to stop today. So this, this is a three, a three pata. A three pata. Yeah, I went uh, Boston. Yep. With it. So, all right. And I, I'm not going to guarantee that part three is going to be released immediately because I am not an editing genius. So <laughs> we'll see when it comes out. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, we will, you know, catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys, before we go today, we have got some shout outs for some of our new patrons. Thank you to Jasmine Goss, Kenna Franco, Caitlin Irving, Kaylee Hall, Carrie Grant. Oh my God. Celebrity. Grace K. Is it Grace Kelly? Oh my, oh my God. Kelsey Delval. Lauren Hubbard. Jessica Sprisha. Kelly. Georgia Robbins, Samantha D, Chris Turner Neal, Kathy Desthu, Christina Bailey, Amber Lee Joseph, Molly, Sky Fitzpatrick, Trisha Ann, Megan, Danny Duran, Harley Graves. Thank you. Thank you we so love much. You. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 